is good, everybody. Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast, episode 99 of the Gold Standard Podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrera and my partner, Levin Black. What's up, Levin? So this is the J- Javon Kinlaw episode. Don't say nothing's up, because everything is up. It's training <laughs> camp. We're here. The 49ers are practicing as we record this, so don't tell me nothing's up. It's just disappointing that some jerkwad has to work nights, so we have to record before we get the first real practice. So we're only going to have like half the picture that comes from the first real practice. Not that, let's be honest, until the pads go on, that it, it doesn't mean a whole lot. The pads go on next week for the record, and we, this should be on record. You are the jerkwad. So just wanted yeah, to make, yeah, sure, make yeah. that clear. Yeah, uh, I, I think our listeners know full well at this point after 99 episodes that i'm a jerkwad that's true if you are new to the show this is where you get the hot takes mostly from me and the cold truth mostly from the human wet blanket levin black we always say please 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 review the show five stars if you would but we will read any review you leave of the program first one comes from Liz love love the pod five stars best niners podcast out there love the variety of hosts and banter couple problems though rob I need 49ers and five back ASAP, my friend. My first cup of coffee is not the same without it. That's our five-minute daily update that you get every weekday morning. Well, guess what, List Love? It returned this week, so it is back, ready and waiting for you every weekday morning. And then the other part, she says, Michelle, or he, I don't know if he or she says, Michelle, love your knowledge, but time to time, get over two things. Number one, the Steelers, and number two, Philly quarterbacks, fantasy-wise, just giving you a hard time, Michelle. Oh, this is Rick Gomez. He signed it, so it's a he. Uh, I mean, Michelle's a Steeler fan, so it's kind of hard to tell her to get over the Steelers. She is high on Jalen Hurts. She thinks Jalen Hurts is going to be a top-10 fantasy quarterback, one of the best in the league. He was a top-10 fantasy quarterback last year. She has been on the Hurts train from the beginning. A couple things. Just real quick on Hurts. I do think he gets a bad rap. I don't think he was that terrible last year. I think for a first-year full-time starter, he did pretty pretty darn well. Uh, and two, there's somebody out there that enjoys waking up to the sound of your voice. I mean, your wife doesn't probably even enjoy that. So, you know, kudos to you. Somebody out there actually enjoys listening to your voice in the morning as they drink their coffee. Look, a lot of people can't get their day started without me. I know that might be hard for you to accept, but the people have spoken. Well, by the way, 49ers and five is up over 200 episodes. So there you go. All I can say is I certainly do not have any problems getting my day started without the sound of your voice. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, I put that one on the T for you. All right. Speaking of teeing things up, we're going to get into a couple different things on today's show. Kyle Shanahan is speaking in front of the media. I feel like every single day this week, pretty much. So we've got a lot to react to there. Plus, Right before we hit record on this pod, and we'll start with this, there was a tweet from Sheena Quick, who's a Panthers beat writer and a member of the Pro Football Writers Association. She tweeted about Debo Samuel's contract. Per source, she writes, the Debo Samuel deal could, uh, should, excuse me, be done soon. Guaranteed money could be as much as $70 million. Now, that's a lot of money, but I think there's one thing to note, Levin. There's a difference between guaranteed money and fully guaranteed money at signing. Guaranteed money broadly could mean also guaranteed for injury, which is different than, you know, the money that you get locked down, no questions asked at signing. So 70 million might look big, but it might not be that big. And that's generally how these contracts work, right? The big shiny number comes out first. 
from whoever source happens to get it from the agent because the agent wants to look really good and, you know, look good to other agents and look good to other potential clients. So they always puff up the numbers and make them look as big as possible. So you see 70 million. We don't know necessarily that that's going to be the number if that tweet is in fact true. It wouldn't shock me if Debo wants a lot of injury guarantee. I mean, think about it, the role and how that's been a big talking point that he doesn't want to play running back while well, the Niners can counteract that by giving him a large injury guarantee and just his physicality and the way that he runs. You know, once once he has the ball in his hands, like he's not one of those wide receivers. Like I always remember Marvin Harrison doing it. You know, the moment somebody was coming up and was actually going to get him rather than try to break a tackle, he just dove down and got, you know, an extra yard <laughs> and gave it up because he never wanted to get hit. Debo, he stays on his feet. And not only that, but he like, aims at the defender's chest wants to run through him so it would make sense if he has a larger injury guarantee than normal and look i i have said if i'm the niners i want to give in terms of fully guaranteed two years i'm okay with that if they give him fully guaranteed the first two years i just want some flexibility after two years because Ike's going to get expensive lance is going to get expensive there might not be the ability to pay all those people. And if Debo has become secondary to Ayuk, I want the ability to pay Ayuk and Lance and let Debo go trade him, whatever. So I think I think I wouldn't be surprised if it's about two years worth of actual fully guaranteed with a larger injury guarantee than others have gotten. Yeah, you want the same thing every NFL team wants flexibility. You want flexibility, you want options. Uh, Kyle Shanahan did say yesterday that he sat down with Debo Samuel. They had a good conversation about his usage and they are on the same page. Now, that doesn't mean that Kyle agreed not to use him as a running back. It could just mean that maybe Debo said, look, use me as a running back in the red zone. But if we're not in the red zone, like I'm not doing that anymore. Or it could be that Debo was like, hey, use me as much as you want. But like you're talking about, Levin. I want more security with the contract. So I want more money guaranteed for injury, that kind of thing. We don't know necessarily, but they have discussed it and they've come to some sort of an agreement. So that's a good sign, I think. Um, if it was $70 million fully guaranteed at signing, would you be nervous about that? How would you feel? I would say I'd be slightly nervous. I wouldn't be mad about it, uh, but I would feel a little uneasy because to me that would pretty much guarantee the Niners are going to have to let go of somebody they don't want to let go of after two years, whether that's Kittle, because they can get out of Kittle's deal by then. Uh, Trent Williams retiring is a possibility. You know, they would have to shed some kind of big money deal or not give a big money deal to somebody highly valuable like Ayuk, like I mentioned. So I would be a little nervous if they, I mean, 70 million is basically saying you are here three years, no matter what, if it's fully guaranteed. It sounds scary to say that, but that's a good thing, right? Like having to let go of people that you don't want to let go of means your roster is full of good people. Like it's ultimately a good thing. It's very difficult. It's something that the best teams have to navigate if they're going to be good year after year is knowing which good people to throw back, essentially. I, I I shouldn't say that. That sounds kind of heartless, but you know what I mean? Which which free agents, you know, you allow to get out into that pool, so to speak, and knowing which ones to keep. So it's scary, but we'll see how it turns out. I think the terms of the Debo deal are going to be fascinating to me. Um, how much is guaranteed? How long is it? What's the injury guarantee? All of that, because, you know, you learn 
team's true feelings about people in the contract. Perfect example we saw, right? Kyler Murray signs this new contract with the Cardinals. Oh, it's awesome, right? And then we find out that they have so many questions about him off the field that they literally put in writing in the deal that he has to do four hours of, quote, independent study a week watching film. And if he doesn't, they could take away some of his guaranteed money, Levin. That tells you all you need to know about what the Cardinals think about Kyler Murray. And they can try and spin it otherwise, but that makes everybody look bad. And the fact that they just gave $230 million to that guy's absurd. You know, I, I just had a picture in my head of like Kyler Murray handing his tablet to, you know, like a nephew or some young child and being like, here, play on this for four hours so that they can read how how much time he's been on in an independent study and get those four hours in. But getting back to Debo, I will say I, I saw a video just before we started recording that he is on the side working out on his own. Yes. Uh, to me, the fact that he didn't come out and have a press conference and say anything and stir up like, hey, I'm not happy still. I want my contract that tells me that they are close. You know what I mean? I think if they were still dug in on both sides and they hadn't gotten close to getting a deal done, Debo would have had an opportunity with the media yesterday to say basically like I want out of here they're not willing to pay me what I want I want to move now you know what I mean he could have really used the media to basically light a fire under the 49ers the fact that he didn't tells me a deal is imminent that's every impression that we've gotten for from Kyle Shanahan from John Lynch this week John Lynch had the weirdest quote of all time. He said, nothing is eminent, but we should have something to announce in the near future. Like what? Those are the same thing, John. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? But look, it seems like, and I agree with you, the fact that he hasn't stirred it up again, if he really did want out, you would think he would have done something to this point in addition to what he did before the draft. So that is obviously a good sign. And, you know, they... It's not official yet, but they did turn the team over to Trey Lance. This Debo thing looks like it's going to be worked out. We are getting potentially into a training camp where all we have to cover, gasp, is just how the team looks. Imagine that. Like, it'll be refreshing. We can talk about what's actually going on with the team and Trey Lance and how the offense looks. The tapeworm of this Jimmy Garoppolo story will be gone, and the Debo drama will be gone. Yeah, we haven't had that since... I guess you could say going into 2020, we had that. It feels like it's been much longer, but it really wasn't until midway through that 2020 when Jimmy got hurt again, where it was like, all right, time to move on because this guy can't stay healthy. So it's been a year and a half, but boy, it feels like it's been a decade. <laughs> it's never boring, which is, hey, look, this is my business, so I'm very grateful for it. But yeah, look, that's sort of where we are right now. I'm like... As we're doing this show, I'm looking at Twitter. I'm going through all my 49ers people, and it's like I, I'm giddy just watching. Oh, Trey Lance threw a five-yard pass to Brandon Ayuk. Oh, let's see. Was the pass high? Where did it go? Did it wobble? Like, I'm locked in already. I cannot stop. It's like I can't believe it's back. We're here. Like, this is it. It's We're underway again. This isn't like an OTA, you know, like in June or whatever, like this is the real deal, the real prep for the season. It's here. And I'm so happy. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm ready to just get to football. Like I, I am happy training camp is here. Now I'm sitting and thinking, God, can we just get to the preseason? 
And I'm sure the moment we get to the preseason, I'll be thinking, God, can we get through these three games to get to the regular season? (laughs) (laughs) It'd be interesting to see how much do you think Trey is going to play in the preseason? Because if it's me, play him. Every single, like, as much as you can. as much. See, I think that's crazy to me. His number one. I think the team knows what he is, and they want to hide it. They want a team going into week one thinking, well, maybe Trey is a struggle, so let's go ahead and load up the box and give him passing lanes and see if he can beat us. But I think the teams are going to do that regardless of how he looks in the preseason. You might be right, but, you know, think about it. If he goes out and dominates the preseason, Teams are going to know that he's capable of something. I think I, I think they would play differently. You want the Bears to be giving Trey Lance all the possibilities in the world to dominate. Wouldn't it be weird if Trey Lance comes out and lights up the Bears? It would have such 2012 throwback vibes because Colin Kaepernick's first start came on Monday night against the Bears, and it was like an announcement to the world, like, holy crap, we might have something here. And it would just be eerie if, what, 10 years later, we have another quarterback, you know, making essentially his first, you know, start as the guy and it's against the Bears and he lights it up. That'd be, that's some odd symmetry there. That was literally my first thought when I saw the schedule and the Bears were week one. And I was like, wow, that that's odd because I think everybody that was a fan back in 2012, which is crazy to say because we're at the point now that it's been a decade. So there might be listeners out there that weren't <laughs> watching back then. <laughs> but those that watched Colin Kaepernick in that game, the instant knowing, I don't know how elite he'll get, but I know he's good. I know he's something special. He's something unique. He has crazy traits uh, and physical ability after that Bears game. So I remember that Bears game. It's stuck in my mind, burned in memory. And when I saw the schedule, that's literally the first thing I thought about. One of the things that Kyle Shanahan touched about multiple times this week when he was talking about Trey Lance is the fact that they need time to learn each other. They are not a finished product that Lance himself is not a finished product, but also Kyle went out of his way to say like, Hey, I'm not, you know, I don't know yet the best plays to call for Trey, what he likes, what he doesn't like, what really works, how defenses are going to play him. I thought that was a really interesting point by Kyle, because like we've talked about, his skill is the sequencing and calling of plays and setting things up and knowing what you're going to do when, so he knows how to hurt you. He's not going to know any of that with Trey because it hasn't happened yet. It's impossible for him to know it. And so I think that much like in 2019, like KP and Akash talked about on Wednesday, the offense in the second half of the year is going to look drastically different from the offense in the first half of the year, which is good because the second half of the year after the bye 11, it's chargers, Cardinals, Dolphins, Bucks, Raiders, like most of their tougher games are after the bye, which is good because you would think by that point, they'd be much better than they will be to start the season. That's why I I was happy to see the Bears in week one. You know, can you imagine if it was, say, like the Rams where, you know, the familiarity is so high that, you know, that defense is going to have a pretty good idea of what Kyle wants to do and how to counter Kyle and all those things. I think that would have been a very difficult week one matchup where you have a really good team that knows you as well as anybody. So I'm glad it starts with the Bears. But, you know, you talk about familiarity. That's one of the reasons why Debo being there working on the sideline is great. It's a good sign. But he really needs to get in practice reps because 
as far as we know, he either very little or not at all worked out with Trey Lance this offseason. So their familiarity is very low. It is important that he gets in there and gets some reps with Trey so they can get used to each other. There is a very big, you know, this receiver likes the ball here. This is where he excels at getting catches when he's in traffic, things like that, that you got to work your way through and you do that in practice. You know, if Debo sits out all of training camp, that could actually have an effect come regular season between him and Trey Lance because we know, especially with as mobile as Trey Lance is, there's going to be a lot of scramble drills. You know what I mean? There's going to be a lot of plays that broke down. Trey Lance is buying time and the receivers, you know, you, you can't draw it up. It's they just go to a certain area that they know the quarterback is looking for and try to make something. It's what Patrick Mahomes excels so well at. And you need to develop that. And that's something that Ayuk will probably have with Trey Lance because they have been working out so much together. But you really need Debo to also have that, to know where to go, to feel it out. You know, you don't want him and Ayuk running to the same spots. You know, th- there is a feel there, and it's all nonverbal. You just got to know and be able to read each other body language about, well, Trey's going here uh, when he's running away from the defense, so I know he's going to be able to throw here. Well, th- things like that. It's all small things that happen in a split second that takes time. It's all chemistry, and it's not like there's been another running quarterback on the 49ers roster that they have like kind of seen in practice sometimes. I know they had Trey a little last year, but it was a little. He was running the scout team. So, yeah, it's all time together, and that's going to be the hardest part, I think, for, for the 49ers themselves and for us as fans is just patience. Just, you know, like we all want him to come out of the gate and throw four touchdowns and have like the Mahomes year that he had in his first year as a starter. Of course we want that, but that's to expect that is crazy. And and you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. Like I really think that if you go back and and watch 2019, especially now, because we're so far away from it, Kyle brought it up in his press conferences, 2019, That's kind of what he's expecting. That's kind of the model. You know, the 49ers passing offense was not great in the first half of 2019. It became much better, especially by the end of the year. But Jimmy Garoppolo's coming off the ACL. He hadn't played very many games at all. He played the five games in 2017. Then he got hurt for all of 2018, basically after like two and a half games. So we're talking about like seven games in that stretch. So he was inexperienced just like Trey. So That's a good model, I feel like. Set that as your baseline, and then you won't be as disappointed if Trey Lance's first couple games are like 175, 200 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I am definitely guilty of probably expecting more than I should when it comes to Trey Lance because I'm very high on him. I kind of jumped on that bandwagon earlier than just about anybody, so I have a vested interest in it's uh, an instance where my own personal bias is hard for me to control. You know, I love to control that as much as I can and be a wet blanket, but there are certain instances where the fan in me wins out. And I think Trey Lance is probably one of those because I fully expect a 4,000 yard, 30 touchdown season, not necessarily 30 passing touchdowns, but 30 total touchdowns. And that type of season, 4,000 passing yards and 30 plus touchdowns is not been done since Jeff Garcia, and I think it's only been done three times or four times in the history of the 49ers. 
I agree with you that it's hard to keep emotions in check. I saw this tweet from Marco Martinez of 49ers Red Zone podcast. He tweeted out, spoke to a coach on the Niners today. Main conversation was surrounded on Trey Lance. I left that conversation thinking Lance will push himself into the top 10 quarterback ranking fast. He was telling me last year that they felt Lance was more than capable of starting. He also told me during OTAs and minicamp, Lance looked even better than his rookie year when he looked very good. I asked about arm strength, and this coach said it's the strongest arm he's been around. When I asked about his understanding of the playbook, the response was, he can coach the offense to anyone on the team. Coach raved about his leadership. I left that conversation extremely excited for the 49ers, led by Trey Lance. My, of course, inclination is to be like, yes, see, it's real, it's happening. But I got to remember that if it was the opposite, right, that if it was like a Mike Silver type of thing where he's talking about arm fatigue and all that stuff, my tendency is to be like, ah, that's crazy. That's not really true. Like, I always want to believe the good stuff. The bad stuff, I never want to believe. I thought you didn't believe in God. I do for the bad things. It all depends. I mean, for Marco this week, he had a good week. Everything he tweeted out came to fruition in terms of uh, he tweeted out some breaking news that things were going to happen, and they happen. And uh, he does seem to have a real contact there. So it makes you want to believe even more what he said about Trey Lance. And, you know, you have things backing it up. I think it was Juice this week that talked about in that Houston game when Trey Lance got that first touchdown and he said something like, all right, now I'm ready to roll. And they they sensed something had changed in him to where he was ready to take over. And so they felt basically at midseason, the players felt Trey Lance was ready to be a starter. It's just that there was still Jimmy there and you don't make the swap in the middle of the season, whatever, you know, but the players are confident in him. We've now heard from multiple players, multiple of the leaders on the team saying Trey Lance is ready. We've seen stuff in practice, you know, Fred Warner saying he's dominating. So there's been a lot of things from the actual 49ers saying that, yeah, he he's the real deal. It's all the national media who make a BS just to get clicks and views that have been saying negative stuff. I like that quote from Juice because I think it like it shows that things are not too big for Trey, that he's ready for this. Like he he told me in February that he was ready to go, ready to start. He wanted to start. You know, he was he was very complimentary of the things that he learned in his first year and complimentary of Jimmy, but he didn't shy away from saying, look, look, I'm ready to go. Like, let's go. And to hear that from Juice just kind of reinforces that, that he's not getting in there like, oh God, I don't know if I can do this. this is going to be shake. Like, he's like, great. Give me the ball. Let's go. I'm going to lead this team. And if the 49ers are going to go on the kind of run that we're all hoping, that's the attitude he has to have. You know, I, I can't help but sit here and think like if Trey Lance ends up being the real deal, you know, I, I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes level winning the MVP is ludicrous. You know, I, that's not happening. I'm pretty confident in being able to say he's not winning MVP. But if he comes out and he looks like a top 10 quarterback, looks like the real deal, I can't help but think there's got to be players on that team that thought, damn, we should have gone to him last year. It's not It's not crazy. It's entirely possible. You That's know, the we... type of stuff that I think of. Like, if I'm a player and he does well, they got to be, especially with Jimmy, not just that he would maybe better than Jimmy, but Jimmy was like, a shell of himself due to injuries by the time the playoffs rolled around. Like, yeah, you got to think some of them are thinking, boy, 
we should have gone to Trey in the playoffs. It's possible, but I'm glad that like we're past that now. You know, like I don't really have to. We're gonna get the resolution to this Jimmy thing one way or another pretty soon. But like I don't really have to care about the name Jimmy Garoppolo anymore. He passed his physical, so great. Whatever happens, happens. Uh, I'm focused on the other you know parts of this team, the parts that are gonna be on the field for the Niners in 2022. Uh, there's one thing Kyle Shanahan said this week that really made my eyes widen. I want to get your take on it when we come back. Back here on the Gold Standard Podcast. All right, Levin. The one thing Kyle Shanahan said this week that made my eyes just get bigger is he literally used the term musical chairs to describe the interior of the offensive line. You know, I and maybe other people, I think other people here at Niners Nation, kind of assumed that it was going to be Aaron Banks at left guard and center was going to be Brendel. Or Brendel, as Shanahan said yesterday. I don't know how the hell you say his name, but that guy. And then the right guard was going to be Daniel Brunskill, at least initially. And then if if guys played their way off a of camp or you know off of that spot, then changes would be made. Kyle kind of threw it out there like, we're just going to throw everybody everywhere and see what turns up. Um, did that surprise you as much as it did me? Because I was like, damn. And also, like, if we're talking about three of the five offensive line spots, that's pretty surprising. Like, that's not a small deal. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want to trash other people, but you and I have been, I'm not going to say attack, but you and I have gotten some blowback about how critical we've been about counting on Aaron Banks and Brunskill, uh, to be quality starters. And everybody's like, oh, that team's fully confident. What are you talking about? Some people on our own network have been that way. Like, <laughs> I'm not worried at all. Okay. Well. Kyle wouldn't be saying they're going to play musical chairs if he felt 100% confident in Aaron Banks and Brunskill and, and Brindle. You know what I mean? Like, he wouldn't need to do musical chairs. He would say, these guys are the starters. I have every confidence in them. The fact that he said there's going to be musical chairs and we're going to throw everybody out there and see who sticks tells me he doesn't freaking know who's going to be starting quality. And he's just hoping one guy at every spot steps up. So I that that makes me kind of feel validated that yeah the offensive line is by far the biggest concern going into the season because that has the potential to destroy everything if there's a massive hole on that offensive line if one of those three spots doesn't work out only one of them has to be really bad the offense is going to have a lot of problems just to toot our own horn a little bit here we've been right about a lot of stuff this offseason okay like i'm just going to flat out say it we've been right about a lot of stuff Kyle Shanahan said yesterday there was a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo that got scuttled when the surgery news came out. Guess who told you immediately when that happened? Jimmy delayed the surgery to stop a trade. Yeah, that was us. Joe Staley later came out and said the same thing. Guess what? We were right. We've been talking about the offensive line, like you said, and guess what? We're right again. The one thing I will say that kind of filled me with hope is that Kyle was also like effusive in his praise for this roster. He said, it's the best team he's had since he's been here. And keep in mind, they got to the NFC championship game last year and got to the Super Bowl in 2019. Kyle is saying already before he even sees Trey Lance in any extended action, this is the best team he's ever had. And he kind of made it seem like he's not worried about the offensive line because he doesn't really care who wins the spots because he thinks the roster is that loaded. So that's kind of a hopeful thing. 
Yeah, I mean, when you have a top five receiving core, which the Niners have when you talk about uh, including the tight ends, and you have a quarterback that's incredibly mobile, the offensive line is a little bit less of a concern. Uh, so I, I don't necessarily disagree that this could be, on paper, the best roster that they have. I think it's probably the most complete defensive roster they've had. Because unlike 2019, yes, 2019, you had Sherman, who you were pretty confident in at one of the corner spots like you are with uh, Ward this year. But you had, you know, a rookie Boza. You had a lot more, I think, concerns on that defensive line. It was a little bit less known how it was going to play out. And you weren't sure the depth was going to be great going into the season. Whereas this year, all those guys are vets. All those guys have proven to a certain degree that, yeah, this is going to be good. You have one rookie in there that could really change things, but you don't need that rookie to change things like you did in 2019. Boza had to be the real deal going in in 2019 or that defensive line was going to struggle. So I do feel like this could very well be the best roster the Niners have had in the Shanahan era. I don't think that's crazy to think that that is a very strong possibility. It's a really good point just in terms of the differences with this team, right? Jason Verrett, perfect example. They didn't need Jason Verrett this year. Like they needed him last year. Last year they signed him and they were like, God, we're screwed if he doesn't start, you know, 15, 16 games on the outside. And guess what? He couldn't even finish one. And then they had Josh Norman out there and that was a disaster. They don't need that now. Yes, they need Bosa to contribute significantly, but he's not the only pass rusher along the offensive line. So I love that point by you is that, that's the sign of a good roster when you can have someone like a Jason Brett on your team where his contributions now are just a cherry on top of the Sunday. If he plays five games this year, instead of it being a disaster, like it was last year, it's a bonus for the team. Now, again, I still think he's going to get hurt, so I don't expect that, but if whatever he does is a bonus for the team. So it's, it's just a team that's in a different place than it was in previous years, which Look, that's the goal, right? That when you hire John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan, that's what you're hoping for. That that was their job one. Rebuild this roster. They had to completely tear it down. They took out the old sink. They took out the old countertops, the old cabinets. All that stuff is gone now. The kitchen has been remodeled. And now they're just putting finishing touches. I mean, we're on like backsplash and I don't know, like under cabinet lighting. I don't know what the analogy would be. <laughs> and it's the same way, I think, with like the receiving core. In 2019, you had pretty much a massive question mark everywhere except for Kittle, and you needed the rookie Debo to be the real deal because you didn't have anything else there. And even with Debo being pretty darn good as a rookie, they had to go out midseason and get Emmanuel Sanders. This year, they shouldn't need to go get any receiver midseason. Even if, like, you know, God forbid Debo goes down or IU goes down, they should have the depth there to pick up the slack. You know, if Debo goes down, Ayuk can be a true number one. If Ayuk goes down, Debo can be the number one. They have depth at receiving and basically a talent level that they've never had. So I, I think it's very similar on the offensive end that they have the depth and as well as the knowledge that certain people are the real deal. They're not question marks going in. Oh boy, Levin. We got a quarterback controversy. Grant Cohn just tweeted, Trey Lance completed 9 of 11 passes today. Nate Sudfeld, 11 of 11. Holy crap, man. See, this is why I hate, hate. And, and to be fair, Grant is clearly 
joking. He's not yeah. doing this to start anything. But I just I cannot stand tweeting out the stats from practice for quarterbacks, especially now that like it's not Trey and Jimmy, it's Trey and nobody else. Like there's just no point to it. But that's the season we're in now. We're here. We're going to get that. I mean, every every Lance pass is going to be scrutinized. You can already go and just search on Twitter for Trey Lance, and you'll see passes of him throwing an Ayuk or whatever, and you'll see people commenting, wobbly pass, not a good spiral. He threw it high. Like, we're there now. We are breaking down every throw from this kid in practice. Uh, speaking of training camp things uh, like that, I am looking at a tweet from Matt Barrows that is – the first, I think, tweet I've seen this year of somebody's physique. He mm. tweeted that they wrapped up day one, no Trent Williams, blah, blah, blah. At the end, he says, a slimmer than last year, Mike McGlinchey played right tackle early on. So we are seeing the first, oh, this guy looks different than last year in terms of his body. Well, that's interesting because McGlinchey told Brad Graham that he thinks part of the reason he got hurt last year is because he was playing right. it so much heavier than normal. Well, he's a tall dude, so isn't he? Yes. Like, his legs take a lot of strain if he puts on extra weight up top. It's got to be a fine line, though, because he was playing well last year. Like, he, he, the weight may have contributed to the injury, but also may have helped him play well. Like, both of those things can be true. So I imagine it's going to be, you know, he's got to find that sweet spot. How about this tweet from Jennifer Lee Chan? Scariest moment at camp was a collision between Juice, who ran into Aziz Alshire's knee. Thankfully, it turned out not to be anything serious, and both were seen in team drills later in the session. Do I have to start worrying about injuries already? <laughs> when she, when I was reading that tweet the first time in my head, and I got the, through the first couple of lines, I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, Aziz is going to go down, juice is hurt. Uh, no, thankfully, we're not there yet. Although I will say, I think juice is going to be even more important to this offense than ever before because the 49ers are going to want opposing defenses in their base personnel because it's just easier for Trey Lance to be able to read the coverages juice being on the field makes that more likely but because of his skill set and his versatility they can still do some things they could they could put him on the field have the defense come out and base and then move him into the slot and he could kind of function like a slot receiver if he needs to like I, I think the fact that he is there is going to be even more important for the 49ers especially early on with Trey to help make things as easy as possible from a mental perspective. I'm glad you clarified that because when you first said you thought juice was going to be even more important, my, my opinion is juice will probably get less statistics. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's going to get as, as many chances at catches and things like that because Lance isn't going to need it. You know, Lance is going to be able to find the open guy. I think better and he's going to be more willing to throw it deep to where he's not looking at the guys coming out of the backfield nearly as much. I, I But I do agree that uh, Shanahan will want them in base because that's when the Niners have a massive advantage in terms of matchups. Uh, I just don't think Juice is going to be statistically as good as he has been. I, I think they might even hold Juice back a little bit more to block so that Kittle can be freed up more because I think Kittle is been nerfed a little bit because he does have to be held back. And Jimmy, we saw multiple times where Jimmy was not hitting Kittle on that, you know, delayed post to the outside that Kittle runs so well. And I think Lance will hit him better. So I, I do think that 
Juice is going to be a little bit more. He'll still get some opportunities, but I think he'll be a little bit more of a stereotypical fullback where he stays back a little bit. He's not as much of an offensive weapon, just an offensive blocker. Classic example of a player who can have a big impact in the game without necessarily having a big uh, showing in the stat sheet. Kittle, has his pass blocking percentage has been falling over the last three years. 2019, it was 16%. 2020, it was 13%. Last year, it was 12.6%. You think it's going to be below that? I hope it's around like 9%. I keep saying it with Kittle. Blocking is the second best thing that he does, even though he's an incredible blocker. He's an incredible receiver, incredible after the catch. I would love to see that blocking drop down even more. I agree with you. Let's maximize this friggin' rhinoceros that we have at tight end because I think we've only got a couple of peak years of that left, and I like to see the Niners squeeze every drop out of that talent. Yeah, what was he, like second in the entire league, receivers and tight ends for yards per route run? It's he, He's not getting a 1,000 yards, not because he's not dominating when given the opportunity. It's because he's held back to blocks so much more than these other tight ends. Uh, in terms of actually when he goes and runs a route, he is as dominant or more dominant, I should say, than any other tight end in the league. You know, he gets more yards per route run than Travis Kelsey does. He just doesn't get to run as many routes as Travis Kelsey. So that is everything going on with the Niners right now as the first day of training camp has officially wrapped up. Uh, Jordan Elliott, who's on the ground for Niners Nation there at camp, says, my biggest takeaway from day one is that this will probably be the most difficult decision with roster cuts that Lynch and Shanahan will have during their tenure in San Francisco as they whittle down the roster to the final 53 before week one. And you know what? That is a damn good thing to hear on the first day of training camp. I am in such a good mood now about the 49ers. All right. I'll keep my mouth shut so you can keep that good mood. What don't say... Well, you've already ruined it. What? Say what you're going to say. Nobody knows jack crap after an unpadded first day of training camp about the quality depth on the roster. You can't tell that yet. That is a a fan post, not a reporting post. Is it likely? Yeah, I think it's probably likely. We just talked about how this is probably the best roster the Niners have had with Shanahan. But you don't know that from one training camp practice where they're all not even in pads barely running anything where they're matching up against each other. They're basically just running around. So their athleticism is showing today, and that's about it. Human wet <laughs> blanket. Enjoy your Thursday, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>